Welcome to Main Character, Main Character Story. My name is H.D. Talberton, but you can call me Buck. My name is Billy Blue Tibbs, but you can call me Blue. All my friends do. And today we're joining the adventures of our two protagonists, Ty and Mason. Now, yes, I'll be, I'll be playing Mason. And I will be playing Ty. Now, Blue, do you remember where Ty and Mason were last time we left them? Well, last time we saw Mason, he was uh, hanging out in a basement, getting ready to record a podcast. Yes, and if I recall correctly, Ty had left to go take care of something his cat was doing. Oh, yeah, that sounds about right. I think that his cat was... Um, fuck, I always, I, I never take notes is the uh, problem. The, the, well, the cat is, is Jellybean, and the cat was lying on the crinkly bed. Yeah, but the weird thing is, I feel like earlier... We referred to Jellybean as Sidewalk. What's the deal with that? Uh, yes, yeah, sort of a retcon uh, that I believe happened. The name Sidewalk was suggested by a listener, but it was overruled by uh, okay. by someone else uh, in fiction, and we decided to go with Jellybean. Okay, that makes sense. Um, oh boy. All right, we'll, we'll catch up. We'll catch up as we get into it. Let's let's do All it. Right, you want to go into the show? Fade out. Fade right, out. Fade out. Fade out. And welcome to Side Character Quest. I am Ty, your DM, and with me, as usual, is Mason, your player. And uh, also with us is outside, fucking sirens and horns and honking and stuff. But and a cavalcade of motorcycles. So many goddamn motorcycles. So if you hear any of that, I apologize. I have been trying to get the city to uh, reroute traffic away from my building, but that's neither here nor there. There's a lot going on. Uh, do you want to give people a quick recap, Mason, and then we'll just go straight into the show. No higgledy-piggledy. Sure. I feel like this recap is a little bit like how people report when they're close to death that their life flashes before their eyes. <laughs> because we left Talbotton in a very bad situation. Last time on Side Character Quest. Hector Talbotton. H.D. Talbotton. Buck to his friends in animal form, not really in animal form, in true form, was led down the stairs in the fortress by Threep, where he saw the stag hanging out in the middle of this large room as Threep went off to find the Arcanist. Talbotton got creeped out and decided to follow Threep and find the Arcanist. The Arcanist um, wasn't super keen on visitors, although Talbotton's appearance did throw him at first, and Talbotton decided to... Uh, just kind of lean into the lie and play the story and act as though he was one of the skeletons but had somehow survived. Knowing absolutely the very bare bones minimum about anything going on, Talbotton managed... Yes, it was intentional. <laughs> good, very good. Uh, it wasn't, but now I'm smart. <laughs> um, Talbotton managed to lie his way through the conversation almost all the way to the end, convincing the Arcanist that Talbotton had been alive the entire time, gleaning some information. And then the Arcanist revealed that they had figured out the smaller Sending Stones, and that kind of blew Talbotton's mind to a point where Talbotton slipped up and made a mistake. Yeah. After being on the razor's edge of asking too many questions. This is a bad summary because there was a lot that happened. But where we left was 
right before, uh, right after Talbotton uh, kind of broke the veil. And Query, the arcanist, uh, didn't take too kindly, it seems. I don't actually know what is going to happen next, but I think we are very close to the end of either the Ark or Talbotton's life. <laughs> okay. So where we last left Talbotton was with exactly half of his hit points, two first level spell slots, a weapon he is not only not proficient in, but suffers a penalty to damage Jesus when Christ. using, and um, with his ruse broken, and locked in a room with a magical barrier that Query put up with his two friends far enough removed that a loud sound might not even reach them, outnumbered, and very much doomed. Under the oppressive sun, under the shade of the grass and the cattails, under the murky water, under the muddy ground, under the stone ceiling, under the pulsing blue light of the sending stone, under the unwavering glare of the undead. What do you mean, your brother? Uh, Something isn't right here. You He's a father at the monastery. He's close to me, like a brother would be. It's hard. You to, don't know what you've been talking about, do you? It's hard to find friends when you when you've been when, been traveling alone. You've for, just for been playing for time. Uh, okay, query. I don't know what your game is, but whatever this he gestures at your antlers and your fur is, druidic magic clearly th- flows through you, and that deserves study. I am here to help you, query. <sighs> I can make things better. And how do you propose that? We need to speak with Father Pard, my brother, who is the only person who can bring us, who can bring you and everyone from Bregatone into acceptance, into new life, into making things as right as possible. I may have lied about my origins, but I am not lying about my intentions. I am here to help you. Okay. Uh... I'm going to say the odds of you persuading him in this moment are incredibly low. Uh, Ty, I would go ahead and just say that I don't think I can. Okay. Because if I was Query and this dude I just found out was lying and then says he's trying to help, fucking I wouldn't trust him no matter if he rolled a nat 20 on persuasion. Uh, okay, cool, cool, cool. I, I, I feel like that's the case, but I, I didn't know if that would seem unfair. No, that's just, um, I was just no, trying to okay. do what I think Talbotton would do, which is furiously yeah. try and, and get out of it. But I don't, I cannot, me, Mason, could not see a way of that working. Okay. You are the DM, so it's your call. <laughs> I won't be upset. No, I, I, I think that's, I, I think that um the thing that's throwing me off is the fact that from the last conversation, he would not believe you. But I'm coming into this having us having had a few days off where it feels more reasonable for him to be listening to you. But like, oh, but it you just did that. That yeah, he just got the nat 20 of. of yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I don't think he would trust me. No, um, no, I don't think he, and he does not. It's, yeah. But Talbotton wouldn't just be like, you got me time to kill me. You know, yes, so. yes. Brush, grab him. Uh, Talbotton spreads his arms really wide 
And for the first time in this arc, I'm going to use a feature from the Bard class. Ooh, yay. <laughs> <laughs> um, instead of, and it's, it's not inspiration, but I am a College of Creation Bard, which is, uh, I think, it's not from Unearthed Arcana. I think it's from Tasha's College of Everything. I can't, yeah, it is. There is an ability called Performance of Creation. As an action, you can channel the magic of the Song of Creation to create one non-magical item of your choice in an unoccupied space within 10 feet of you. The item must appear on a surface or in a liquid that can support it. The value of the item can't be more than 20 times your bard level. In my case, that would be 100. And the item must be medium or smaller. The item glimmers softly, and a creature can faintly hear music when touching it. The created item disappears after a number of hours equal to your proficiency bonus. In my case, three hours. So... Uh, oh, and you can do it once per long rest or expend a spell slot of second level or higher, which I don't have. So this is my once per long rest. Talbotin spreads his arms wide, backing up towards the wall. Uh, I'm assuming because this is a very narrow chamber, I can be within 10 feet of the wall in like half a step, right? Yes. Um, just just a point of order. Um, are you moving towards the wall that is near the door? Or are you moving towards one of the other? So this is sort of a circular room with the sending stone in the center, and then there's that hallway doorway that you came through, uh, sort of behind you right now. Um, no, I'm not moving towards the doorway. Okay. I'm stepping sort of diagonally backwards, uh, just towards the nearest point of the wall. Gotcha. Okay. And. When I am creating with my song of creation, as Taladin spreads his arms wide, a wooden but sort of ornately painted door in a door frame appears against the wall next to the actual doorway out. With uh, the door is painted with uh, sort of bright colors, and uh, the door frame I would like to imagine has sort of some carvings of like leaves and vines around the edges. You know, just like just just the trim. It, yeah. it looks, there's a door. There's a door frame and a door propped up flush against the wall, uh, and it's slightly shimmering. <laughs> do not touch me, or that opens, and you do not want to know where that leads <laughs> or what comes out of that. Now, I want to stress, it's just a door. It's just, it is just a door. just a door. I know this. Oh, my God. That is very good. I think that there's a couple of things that need to go on right now. Okay. One, the Arcanist needs to do an Arcana check to see if he can tell what you just did. Mm. And then if he fails, then there's an intimidation to see how he reacts. Okay. Does that, does that seem fair? Yeah, that seems completely fair. I'm going to set this at, does it seem like a 15? Um. Does that seem too high, too low? I would almost say too high but I don't know because it depends it depends on I don't I actually don't know I haven't uh, GM'd Dungeons and Dragons you wouldn't set it based on how good the player is at something it would be based on how hard it would be to discern uh, it's obviously magic yes but to discern what kind of magic and to tell that there is that, that this is just a mundane relatively mundane thing that has oh, been oh why don't you use my spell save DC oh yeah that's fine what is that which is which is 14 Okay, that's very fair. He got a 16. Oh, snap. Uh, so the other the other people in the room all sort of step back in response to what you've just done. Um, Brush, who had been moving in your direction after being commanded to grab you, has paused. You know, you can see their head moving back and forth between you and um, Query. 
but uh, Query just looks at you and you can see there's there's a moment as he is goes rigid in response to you doing this and then he looks towards the door and then you see his his form just sort of relax his shoulders fall down and he casually lets his hands move to his side you don't think that i am going to fall for that do you uh only he can hear me cuz this is message and and i say yes I had kind of hoped you you would, uh, because that is sort of the um, best I can do, because I'm not exactly f- as full of druidic magic as you might think. <laughs> well, that's too bad, but I'll be the judge of that. Um, he holds out his hand and shoots a mote of fire at the doorway, setting it ablaze. Oh, good. How fucking stylish. Uh... <laughs> To everyone else, that must have looked like a power move, because this fucking weird deity that they think is probably more powerful was like, blah, 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 and then he was just like, Poof. Uh Yeah, you can tell, like, as he does that, the rest of the room, like, you know, are no longer backing away from you. They they seem to relax a little bit as this per- as this person seems to, as Query, I keep saying this person as if you don't have a name for this guy, as Query uh, seems to take control of the situation again. I will say, uh, feel free in this moment to ask me questions about the space ask me if there's there's things that you want to learn about the about the people or about the room or any anything like that if there's if there's information that you feel you need that you don't have you can roll for shit i should have made a poll huh? that way i could hit him without having to disengage um, oh, the, uh, like a like a like a ten foot pole with reach. That way, I could just slowly bat him to death and just dart around the room. <laughs> I thought you meant like a Twitter poll, so that you could. Oh, like, oh like, no! Like get. What should I do? Yeah, um, I am kind of out of my bag of tricks. That was a trick I didn't even know I had until like a little bit before the session because I picked a shitty bard class. Okay, so tell me exactly where we left off. What happened? He he blew up the door. He blew up the door. Um, he had asked. Brush to grab you. Brush starts to walk in your direction. Brush is one of those two guards, uh, along with three. Yeah. Brush had started to walk in your direction. Then you do the intimidation thing, creating the door. He sees through your intimidation, blows the fuck up out of the door, and Brush is now like sort of standing there. Like they're not they're not approaching you in this moment, but they also aren't as afraid as they were about to be. I um Talbotin picks two more berries off of his Antlers, because I used mm-hmm. Goodberry not that long ago. Yes, correct. Um, holds one in each hand, and then sort of looks at them, and um, cocks his arm threateningly in the direction of Brush, as though this is going to become some kind of a dangerous weapon. <laughs> yeah. Ty, the only ability I have is lying right now, and I just turn to Query. What is it you want from me? Because I legitimately can offer you help. I recognize you don't trust me, because I did lie to you. But what do you really stand to glean from capturing me? What is it that what do you, what is your intention? Because if you'll notice right now, you've got me. The door is walled off because I told you about my companions, so they are barred entry. We're far enough away that I cannot plausibly reach them. I am here. Are your companions like yourself? Uh, no, they don't know that I 
normally look like this. They think you did this to me because uh. I have been, and I, I very, I'm keeping my berry hand cocked, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like they say. And I reach into my backpack and I put my hat on. I just sort of and pop it like, on my head and the skin crunches up, and, and I say, because I happen to have, I think, a problem with lying. <laughs> because most of what I do is just a little bit deceptive. Because like you, I cannot exist truly as I am without invoking the ire of others or fear. And that never ends well. Well, if... uh, I take the hat back off and chuck it in my backpack. If they are not like yourself... He he looks towards um, the other robed figure in the room you had seen earlier, the acolyte, nods towards them and says... We'll need to make sure to dispose of them. Uh, no, you really don't want to try and do that, because unlike me, they're actually capable. If, uh, if it was a roulette, and you had selected one of us at random to abduct, you chose correctly, because I am perhaps the most helpless. If you don't believe me on that, go ahead and go ahead and find out. Oh, boy, I, 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 <laughs> I feel like you've done a very good job of postponing this, but... I don't think that at this point there is any way around it um, because this person has made clear their their motivations. Roll me initiative. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And because of course it is, that is a two plus three, five. Man. I'm so boned! (laughs) (laughs) Pun intended! I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die. It's gonna be pretty fast. You said five? Yeah, it's high. I said five. It's not the worst. Five? Five is almost the worst. <laughs> I'm four. It's only four more than the worst. Wow. Wow. You did not nearly as bad as you would have assumed. How far underground are we? I just want, before we start this combat, I want to really illustrate to you just how far 120 feet is. It's pretty far. It doesn't, you, you wouldn't think because we have so many other measurements for distance, but 120 feet is, um, is 40 yards. So that's almost to the halfway point of a football field. Would you say uh, we're over 120 feet underground? N- no. We're not 120 feet underground, no. We'd, we'd probably be significantly less than that. Diagonally um, to blue and George. I, I would say we'd be maybe, maybe at the most, I can't imagine us being farther than five stories underground, but the exact distance, I'm not sure. What happens if you cast message at Ascending Stone? Uh, only one way to find out. Yeah, I have a couple things I can do. Okay. Just a reminder, I'm at half my hit points, and I know the only spells I can use in an offensive capacity are Vicious Mockery, which does 1d4 psychic damage, and Sleep. (laughs) And I'm at half my hit points. Did I say that? I think I did. Um, Yay. 
You're not saying anything. What's happening? No, I'm not. I'm letting you like. You're letting me. You're letting oh, wait, me oh, stew. I'm like a baby who's soiled his diaper. I'm gonna get a rash if you don't start talking. I'm going crazy. Sorry, 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 sorry. Uh, so I guess I guess. Sorry, I forgot that we we're in combat, and thus like you have to like actually wait for the, the first person to go. And I'm assuming it ain't me, unless uh, it, unless no, it is. it is not. Are you sure? It is possibly the worst person. Oh, the arcanist. Yeah, it's the it's the Arcanist. Okay, yeah, cool. Okay. My my thought process here is that he has commanded other people to grab you, so he is not going to immediately cast a spell on you, an offensive spell or anything like that, uh, because he thinks that you're, you know, manageable. Any spell he casts on me is offensive, but go for it. <laughs> he is going to uh back off a little bit so that other people can take care of you. And then you see a shimmer over his body as he casts a has some sort of defensive thing. Oh, I do have one more trick up my sleeve because I never used my starting equipment. Oh, interesting. And if I recall correctly, I chose a diplomat's pack because that had more stuff that seemed befitting to a poet than an entertainer's pack. Mm. And it also contains something, uh, something very fun. Don't look it up. I won't. Because I'm lying. <laughs> Are you kidding. really? Yeah, it contains okay. a gun. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, the next person to go would be the Acolyte, the other person in robes, who is fairly close to you. She moves away from you uh, and sort of it towards the direction of the doorway and pulls her wand out of her pocket and holds it menacingly up to you. But she also is not approaching. At that point, it is your turn because no one else beat a five. Really? Yes. Uh... Would it be an action to to just grab the necklace off the wetless that's on the ground right behind me? Use object is an action. So I would imagine that using it would be an action, but I don't know if a... Uh, uh, I would say that it would count as an action because it is a necklace around this thing's neck, which means you're either having to like rip it off with force or you're having to remove it, you know? Okay. In that case, I'm going to use my action to dodge. Okay. Smart. Which means that, and uh, I have a feeling this is going to come up a lot, until the start of my next turn, any attack roll made against me has disadvantage if I can see the attacker and I make dexterity saving throws with advantage. So I'm dodging, and I run over to the other side of the wetless. So I just run sort of to separate myself from them, keeping my eyes locked on them, and I, I get right behind where the wetless is. Really rethink how valuable you're assuming I am. With that, uh, the person in armor, uh, Brush, she approaches you. Her her sword is at her hip, but her hand is on that, and the other hand is being held out in your direction. You can see her jaw slightly moving as she approaches and gets to about the distance of you and the wetless, but not not right up on you. Um, I would love to be able to hear what you're saying, but casting messages in action. <laughs> Next person's turn is Threep, who is standing off to the side, still a, a fair distance away from you, over near where uh, Query is. Top of the order again, Query still just kind of watching, waiting to see um, what happens with uh, when Brush gets to you, um, assuming that you're able to take care of it. Uh, then Acolyte, who is still standing in front of the door, wand at the ready, it appears to have readied an action. And then back to your turn. Um, so Brush just moved closer, but is not attacking me. Uh, they have not gotten to within 
range to attack you or grab you yet. They are sort of, the, the wetless is sort of in between you and them. The wetless laying on the ground in that, that circle of some sort next to the little desk workspace. Uh, as Brush approaches, I back away and I am also, I'm staying skittish uh, and ready to dodge. So I'm using my action to dodge. Okay. Uh, and I run over to the sending stone, the sounding stone in the middle of the room, uh, trying to position myself on the opposite side of the arcanist. Okay. Uh, do you do anything while you're there? My action was to dodge, uh, but I, if, as a free action, I, I, pr- I press my hand against it. I don't know that I can use it without using an action, but I touch it. And I say, and I say to them, because talking is a free action. Yes. Be very careful, because I've been full of surprises this whole time. <laughs> really, just throwing out whatever the fuck I can say. With that, Brush looks towards Query, then looks back at you and steps around the wetless, uh, and then gets right up on you and tries to grab your hand, yank it off of the thing, and grapple you. Okay, so that would be a dexterity saving throw, right? Yes. Uh, but that also versus a strength. I have an I have advantage on that. Nice. Which I needed because that is an eight or a twelve plus five, seventeen. Rad. Okay, yeah, they they only rolled a six, so they do not manage to grab you. Uh, you wriggle out away from them. Don't 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 stop it. Rush. They they're not backing up. They're not seeming to. They, 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 they don't back up. They don't seem intimidated at all by you. As far as you can tell, it's hard to tell, obviously. They have no skin on their face. Right. Next turn, next person in the order is Threep, who you don't see what they're doing. They're on the other side of the Sending Stone from you. Then um, the Arcanist, who has sort of re- trying to reposition himself so that he can see you a little bit better around the Sending Stone. And then finally, back to the Acolyte, who still has their wand pointed at you with an action readied. Listeners who are, are, are maybe sensing a different vibe to this than usual may uh, be interested to know that we're actually using a map with like a little grid and everything this time around. Um, so I'm actually moving tokens around uh, and it's it feels different to me. The combat feels different. Hopefully it, it in a positive way. Yeah, I have to keep in mind because uh, cause now that there's a map, my brain is in like, what is mathematically, like mechanically, the smartest thing I could do, but I'm trying to keep in mind the like, what is narratively interesting. And I think I have something when I come up, maybe, maybe. Yes. Maybe. Um, so now that uh, the Acolyte has, has their action ready, it is your turn again. I climb up the sending stone on the top of it and use my action <laughs> to dodge. <laughs> uh, uh, how does climbing work? <laughs> uh, you can climb uh, <laughs> That's so fucking stupid. <laughs> you, can, you can climb up five feet for 10 feet of movement. Oh, yeah. So I could climb up to 15 feet uh, on a single turn, and I doubt it's that tall, right? No, and, and it's pretty pretty big, pretty chunky, pretty easy to step onto. And I, I use my action to... Um, I'm not going to use my action to dodge. I think, and this might be the death of me, I use my action to use the Sending Stone... Okay. Um, while I'm while I'm perched on the top of it, and I say, um, "Get Father Pard on the line right now! Get Father Pard on the other end of this sending stone. This is Talbotin in Flughaven in a dire situation, and I must speak with Father Pard. And none of you move. I want you to, or roll- I'll shatter this stone. Ooh, I love it. I want you to roll me a perception check." <laughs> That's not great. That's a nine plus f- 
three, uh, 12. That I think is good enough. You, as you start to talk, you see a bit of a glow um, coming off from another source in the room, and then you see the wet list starting to shift and move around. And then when you say none of you move, it freezes. Talbotson cracks a big, creepy grin. <laughs> Next person in the order is Brush, who tries to like approach you and just is like swiping at your feet with their sword, uh, trying to get you to come off. Oh, is it an attack, or is it something I should uh, save for? Uh, I guess they're, I guess what they're trying to do, um, we can count it like you would count uh, pushing someone. Like a shove? Okay. Yeah, that's that's kind of what they're trying to accomplish. with, But they're doing it with their, like, short sword. But, you know, they're not actually trying to hurt you. They're just trying to knock you off. Okay, uh, I get to make an acrobatics check if it's a shove. Uh, for you, it's a strength. Although for I, I think since I guess, you're using the sword, whatever skill yeah. the sword is would make sense yeah, to that's, me. That, that makes sense. To I me don't too. know. You're the you're the GM. I'm. I feel bad because sometimes I say things that I feel could be interpreted as telling you how to GM, but I'm not. I'm just throwing spaghetti. Yeah, I, I, we're all throwing spaghetti, and we're we're using rules a little willy nilly, and uh, that's fine. Um, I rolled a ten total. That's on the floor, but it is thirteen plus. Five, 18. So you are you are dancing around, managing to avoid getting hit. I think uh, it looks this. it looks even more deer like than Talbotton was expecting, because you know like when a deer like jumps over stuff, how they do that sort of yeah. skipping sort of thing. Can you imagine what this would look like to somebody walking in, like a weird deer man dancing upon a glowing crystal, surrounded by people in robes and like a corpse. In a, in a stone cavern kind of space. It's fucked up. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what someone would think <laughs> if they showed up to this. Yeah. Next up is Threep, who you can see is still, is like still standing off to the side, uh, looking towards you. Then we're off to the Arcanist, who you can see that they have reached into their pocket and like, and it's holding their wand. They're not pointing it towards you, but they're, uh, they appear to be shouting at Brush. Uh, you can just see their jaw moving and there's the body language you can tell, uh, even if you can't hear it. And then Acolyte still has wand pointed towards you, ready to do something, but you don't know what. Back to your turn. Talbotson says- I, uh, I, I, wanna, I wanna point out something real quick, just about my philosophy on combat. I feel like in a realistic situation, people are, when you are, we're entering into a fight, most people wouldn't just be dead set on putting all of their energy into killing the person that they're interacting with. And, and that is what's going on here. Like, it's not that, that there is, you know, that I'm going easy on you. I, I'm trying to treat this how I think these people would actually be behaving in this 30 seconds of time that has passed, you know? Yeah, Talbotton, oh, this might be a waste of a turn and this could be the death of me, but maybe not. Uh, Talbotton, well, perched on the sending stone, I'm assuming I don't hear anything from it. Does anyone come back through? Not really. There's like a there. There's a bit of a like a hum, a feedback kind of feel, but not not nearly what you had, uh, what you experienced with when you tried to. No, there's not nothing like that. Not, I thought not, they adjusted it so we could call out. You said he twisted some symbols on the bar on the metal. Ah, uh, had I. 
I don't know what that means though, uh, but that's okay. Um, by the way, I just made a big assumption and I guess I was right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that what they were doing was tweaking it to call out. They were starting to make those adjustments, but they hadn't finished making those adjustments. Okay, Talbotton's mind is spinning as he's perched atop this stone and all these people are pointing at him. Um, and I really want to use my action to dodge, but Talbotton instead, trying to put two and two together, uh, I'm going to use the Sending Stone again as, as my action and say, On second thought, if you're anywhere in the vicinity, come here now. I need help. And as you say that, um, you see the wetless shifting again on the ground. Brush is going to try to, like, swipe at you again. Protect me. Beautiful. All right. Um, Brush is going to try to swipe at you again. Eight. Ooh, not as good as last time. That's a five plus five is ten. Boy, you, for a moment, were very much wishing you had dodged. Um, Yeah, Yeah. you dance away from the uh, sword swiping at you. Also, stop that brush. (laughs) And Threep is still just watching. Top of the order, the wetless shifts and gets up and walks towards you and is going to grab at Brush because you told it to protect you. I did. Oh, hell yeah. The wetless is approaching Brush and you see their arm, you see stuff sprout out of it and you see it harden and then it slams brush in the side, cracking like wood against their rib cage. Uh, I think Talbotton calls out, I don't know if this will do anything, but Talbotton calls out and says, do not kill them. Just prevent them from harming me. Uh, uh, okay, no, I'll do it next turn. Seeing uh, what you have done, Query, has, now he raises his wand up towards you and is... I just want to point out that uh, message is not a free action, which is annoying because I wish Query could... I wish we could talk this through. (laughs) Fair. But I I got shit to do. He's got shit to do. (laughs) Um, So he he raises his wand up in your direction and casts that same moat of fire in your direction that he did at the door. Oh, yeah, 26. Uh, To hit? Yep. Yeah, that hits. You take four fire damage. Am I on fire? Uh, no. I mean, there's maybe like a couple of like little embers, but uh, but no, you don't ignite. Okay, can't take too many more of those. Uh, and, I think Talbotton ah! yell, yells in pain. The acolyte has their uh, wand still pointed towards you and looks towards Query, sees what they have just done, sees that they've taken an action against you, and so they're also going to take a shot. Okay. 10 to hit. Does not hit. Thank God. A blast of something. Uh, (laughs) You can see like a a sort of force radiate from the tip of their wand and blast just past you. And um, you hear a impact as it hits the wall behind you or maybe the ceiling behind you. But you don't feel any anything from it. You don't feel any heat or anything like that. It wasn't the same sort of attack that you got from a query. Now it's your turn. Um, I think, oh, I'm going to use my movement to drop down off the back of the sending stone because query and the acolyte are uh, both in front of the doorway. So I drop down on the opposite side of the sending stone, putting it between me and them. 
So I, I slide down the back of it, keeping my hands on it. Um, I did put out a call to everybody. Uh, I'm going to use my action to dodge. I'm going to okay. use my action to dodge. So I slide. So Tabaton, uh, after getting hit with that that blast of fire, sort of ducks down, sw- slips his feet off the back, and slides down the back of the sending stone, and calls out to the wetless. And I'm not giving a new command because I don't know if I'd ever use the sending stone or not. But I call out to the wetless that is there, and I say, um, "You are my only hope. <laughs> I need you right now to make sure no more harm comes to me." Uh, and I cast Bardic Inspiration. Although, actually, I suppose inspiration Ooh. should be, uh, like, through stirring words or music or something. Um, so maybe busts out, like, a haiku or a haiku, a 666, <laughs> three lines, six syllables. Nice. You of skin, uh, you of dried out flesh must save me now, please. You are my hope. You are my sole hope. Not a great poem, but it's enough for bardic inspiration, I guess. I like that you said uh, it needs to be um, a heku with six syllables, and then you did five-syllable lines. Oh, I did five? Okay, wait. (laughs) Because you were counting it off on your hand, and I'm like, Mason, how many fingers do you have? You of wrinkled dry flesh, save me now from these men who seek to bring my end. Okay, why why was that one so much easier for you? I wasn't thinking as much about it. <laughs> yeah. Clear. Oh man, that that was that was good. Um, the first one I probably edited out some gaps uh, and stumbles, but that one he just like got. Yeah, you use uh, bardic inspiration on this guy now. Brush, who is um, that's a D eight by the way. D eight. Cool. Brush has to tangle between you and the wetless and. Oh, hey, who would have thunk it? They're going to deal with the thing that is like, was just pummeled them in the side. So they are going to try to swipe at the wetless. Oh, wait, and I can actually use another College of Creation feature. Okay, so I'm also using Moat of Potential. Whenever you give a creature a bardic inspiration die, you can utter a note from the Song of Creation to create a tiny Moat of Potential, which orbits within five feet of that creature. It's intangible and invulnerable, and it lasts until they use the bardic inspiration die. Uh, the moat can look like whatever you choose. Um, so I think what, uh, and, it, and it orbits around the creature. It's kind of video gamey, so I don't love that. So can we say just um, aesthetically that what happens is the um, the wetless, you already said his arms sprouted like thick woody growths. Yes. Uh, two small antlers just sort of burst forth from its head. Oh, fun. Um, and like maybe one or two leaves flop out from those. Um, <laughs> That's cool. When the creature uses the Bardic Inspiration die, the moat provides an additional effect based on whether the die benefits an ability check, an attack roll, or a saving throw. So I'll let you know when you decide to use it what the effect is. Cool. Uh, and I also have the Bardic Inspiration. That Yeah, when you use it, this effect happens. The uh, Gotcha. Not the, the visual effect happens first. Yes. When you use it, there's an additional mechanical effect, and I'll tell you when you do one. Cool. Brush... Choosing to attack the wetless instead of you, swipes at them with their short sword and just barely manages to hit them, dealing mm, six damage. All right, then we are going to go back around. Um, it is the husk. It is yeah. It is the wetless's turn. I'm sorry that I came up with a dumb name that you have to use now. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, it, so it is the wetless's turn, and they are going to, having just got this short sword stuck into them. They're going to take that arm again that is still wood woody 
and they are going to use the mode of potential that you have given them on their attack roll. Can they do that? Yes, they can. Okay, and they are doing that. How, what does that do? So as they swing to attack, the antlers explode uh, off of their head. Fuck. They, okay. they shatter at the moment of impact. Uh, the target and each creature of my choice that I can see within five feet of it must succeed on a constitution saving throw against my spell saves DC or take thunder damage equal to the number rolled on the die. Radical. Um, so they, they shatter with an explosive sound. Uh, there's no other creatures within five feet, sadly, but so Brush has to make a con save. Oh, also, what do they roll? Because they do yeah. get to also add that to their attack roll. Oh, they get to add that to... How much do they yeah. add to their attack so roll? So you, you roll the Bardic Inspiration die, and you add that to your attack roll. Gotcha. Uh, and that's a d6? Uh, it's a d8. Oh, d8. Nice. Oh, hell yeah, seven. Uh, so they got a 16, which is plenty to hit. Well, I guess actually, mm, not plenty, but it, it, it does hit the Skeletal Guard with their woody arm. Then they have to roll for the thunder damage as those antlers explode on their head. With a tremendous reverberating noise. It's a DC 14 con save. Oh, God. DC 14. Or they'll take seven damage. Uh, they got a 20, unfortunately. Oh, dang. Okay. Do they take so, half damage still? Or? Nope. Nope. Okay. Um, they do not take any damage, but it's loud. Uh, it makes, actually, I don't know if that mechanically means anything, but it made such a thunderous sound that it could have caused thunder damage. So I assume that that's a pretty big noise. My companions are upstairs. They are indeed. If thunder happened in, in your basement, even if it was pretty far away, you might be like, oh shit, what the yeah. fuck? And you did you did spe- specifically say that you were going to make a loud noise, so they have probably been listening for that. You know what's funny is yep. I said that without any idea how I would. Because <laughs> I didn't really uh, look at my bard features, because... I'm stupid. <laughs> oh, gosh. So now uh, it is the Arcanist's turn. You hear another one of those sounds as if the Arcanist has just shot another blast of fire, but it is not towards you uh, because you are behind the Sending Stone relative to them. It is towards the Wetless. You see them uh, get struck and ignite a little bit. They, you see them get sort of sideswiped by this thing, and they get kind of rocked off balance. Uh, and I mean, obviously, they're a zombie-like creature, so their their balance is already not super great. And you see some of the some of the wood and the leaves on them also catch fire. Their, their clothes catch fire a little bit. There's this burnt, this smell of like burnt flesh, charred flesh, as they get hit by this. But they are still standing for the time being. And at that point also, uh, the Acolyte is going to point, again, something you can't see because you're behind the Sending Stone, uh, but you again see the a blast. Oh yeah, you see a, another blast, concussive blast this time, strike the side of the Wetless's head and deal uh, three damage. As it strikes the side of their head, uh, you hear a crunch as it just sort of caves in from the side. God. And the wetless falls over. Well. Uh, It's your turn. Is it? Yes, it is. (laughs) I, oh man. What's on this side of the room? I didn't really get to see it. It's behind the crystal from the doorway. 
Uh, roll me a perception check real quick. That's 18 plus three, 21. Okay, so um, I ask you this, uh, and I wanna kind of re-establish what this scene is. Right now you are in a large, uh, semi, mostly circular room that is made of stone, uh, stone slabs, um, stone ceiling, stone floor, um, stone walls. There is a giant glowing crystal in the center. There is the corpse of a a sort of zombie-like husk laying on the ground that you had previously just moments ago been helping. It's lying next to a uh, work table, a workspace kind of thing. Um, near you, uh, on either side of the, the crystal, are two skeletal guards, uh, Threep and Brush. Then on the opposite side of the room, you've got um, these two figures in robes, the Arcanist Query and um, the Acolyte. They are standing between you and the doorway with a 21, you said? Yeah. With a 21, um, I will tell you two important things. One, there is nothing on your side of the room with the crystal. Uh, two, you peek around the side of the, the uh, sending stone and you notice that the faint shimmer that was over the doorway has gone away. Um, how many feet away from me is that doorway? Uh, I would say, I would say about 30 feet. Is it? Yeah, 30 to 40, maybe. Okay. Because you'd have to go around the, the sending stone. There's people between you and there, but yeah. Tabaton peeks his head around, mm. um, and seeing that, dips the other way, the opposite direction from which he poked his head, and uses his action to dash, which doubles your movement speed. So I now have 60 feet of movement, and I'm going to, my goal is to sprint through that, through the doorway faster than they can catch me. Radical, okay. Uh, With, without invoking an opportunity attack. Uh, and I know this is tricky because it's an audio medium, so we can't exactly be like, okay, if you go here and around here, that's this total 60 feet. Um, but I have 60 feet of movement to dash with. Okay, you're going on the side of the crystal that uh, Threep is standing on? Um, I think I would go on, yeah, because, See, this is maybe a problem with having a map. The Acolyte is slightly too, if we're looking at the top, where north is the top, south is the bottom, the Acolyte is slightly west of the Arcanist. If I were to proceed clockwise, so heading from the north where I am to the east to the south, that would put me in a bigger gap between the Acolyte and the doorway than the other way. I don't know that that's really a good thing for an audio medium. Man, I'm fuck trying using to... maps. I'm never doing this on the podcast again. Yeah. <laughs> because I, I know exactly what you're saying when you're pointing at the map, but like hearing that described, it's just absolute garbage. It's, yeah, it's absolute nonsense. Um, so for the sake of the narrative, if you just want to cut all of that, yeah. um, I have 60 feet of dashing movement. If the door is 40 feet away, that's 20 feet I can use to try and avoid people to not provoke opportunity attacks. And this is a big open space, and there's nothing on really that side of the, the room to sort of block you. There's no furniture, that sort of thing. Yeah, so I don't know if you want me to make a certain check, like a dexterity check or something in addition to see if I provoke an opportunity attack. Uh, so here, here's my, my thinking. Threep is very low health right now when you brought him down here. And also you had sort of gotten a bit of a rapport with him. So I don't think that he would be all that game to like even try to do an opportunity attack. And then you've got the Acolyte who has been had the wand in their hand and using range attacks. So I, I don't, they don't strike me as somebody that would have, you know, 
also had a dagger in the other hand to like take a swipe at you as you exit. Um, those are the only two that you might might even possibly come close to as you exit. You know, right? Because Query's sort of closer to the stone in the middle. Yes. Um, so I think that you can probably make it just outside of the door. Yeah, I sprint. Talbotton sprints outside of the door um, and just yells, I wish this went differently! <laughs> um, as you do that, the Acolyte and the Arcanist are both going to shoot off little blasts behind you. <laughs> they both hit, huh? <laughs> no. Um Query uh, does a critical failure, and since they are standing more in the middle of the room and the Acolyte's between them and, and you, they hit the Acolyte. Oh no! Yes. Dealing five damage and set them uh, ablaze. So you hear like, you hear that, that fire sound, but ra- it gets stopped well before getting anywhere near you. You also hear the sound of that little concussive blast uh, that the Acolyte was using go off, but it also just does not go anywhere near you because they are thrown off by getting struck by this fire. With that, uh, I I will say that um, if you can give me some explanation for how you slow this these people down, then I will give you a moment out of combat to get to the main to the other room and come up with your next plan. Um. Okay, I can do that. Okay. Talbotton is is sprinting down the hallway, and as they sh- throw, as they are shooting these blasts of fire, Talbotton remembers that in his backpack he has two flasks of oil. And I'm not making this up. That's in the diplomat's pack. Uh. <laughs> uh, a flask of oil it uh, usually comes in a clay flask that holds one pint. As an action, you can splash the oil onto a creature uh, or throw it up to 20 feet, shattering it on impact. On a hit, the target is covered in oil. If the target takes any fire damage before the oil dries, the target takes additional fire damage for the blah, 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 blah. You can pour it on the ground. It's a flask of oil. This acolyte is smoldering. I just chuck it. I chuck both of them over my shoulder just into the general, like, doorway, and hopefully they catch fire while I'm running. Fucking radical. Okay, yeah, that um, smashes. Mechanically, I chuck one of them. Yes, it, it smashes you don't you don't know? I assume you don't wait to find out whether it works. You just no, keep going. I'm just I'm just running, and he's like, "Oh, I have this!" and just literally pulls yeah. it out and chucks it behind him while sprinting. Yeah, that that is enough to delay. So you run down this um, stone hallway, this thin stone hallway, and then it opens up into that main room that you had been in before. There are those carriages. There's the ramp that goes up. There's the doorways into the other spaces, um, and then there's the stag, obviously, in the center of the room, uh, circled by some runes on the ground. What do you do? Talbotton makes a split second decision as he as he sprints out and takes in the room. He looks towards the ramp, towards where he knows his companions and help are, and then he turns and looks towards the stag and sort of weighs through everything that's happened. And even though these people are trying to kill him, what they're doing, he does he doesn't want harm to come to them. He wants this to end. And unfortunately, he tried to get there by lying. I think he runs. Uh, he's assuming the fire behind him is causing enough of a distraction. He runs towards the stag and says, help me, I need you to help me. It looks at you with that same unbreaking glare of its its glowing green eyes. And this time it actually does, it, re, it does seem to react. It looks down at the runes written on the ground around it. Um, I think Talbotton has been slightly losing 
himself to uh, his nature, sort of over the course of things that have been going on. Talbotin just kicks kicks one of the runes. Uh, is are they carved in the stone? Are they drawn on the stone? You take a, a closer look at the runes that are on the ground um, that are glowing, and you can tell that they are. Uh, inscribed with some sort of paint or chalk or something like that. They don't appear to be carved in. They they appear to be uh, a recent addition. I try and scrape it off with my foot or just try and screw it up enough. Uh, and if that doesn't work, I reach into my backpack, grab my a bottle of ink, um, and just dump it all over the runes. Uh, as you do this, it takes a moment for the glow to like react, for, for anything to happen, but there's a bit of a, 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 a flicker and then the glow dies off. You have dark vision, right? Yes. Okay. Please tell me I made the right decision. Looking at this creature that stands maybe five inches taller than you, uh, not including the big fucking antlers, wooden antlers on its head, you see on the side of its face, these gills open up and you see smoke pour out as fog fills the ground around it and fills up the room that you're in. It looks at you and then looks towards the hallway as Query enters the room. Talbotson ducks down and sort of creeps behind the stag, hiding in the fog and hiding behind the stag. You watch as Query locks eyes with this creature, with this thing, with this focus of druidic magic and fires off a blast of fire at it. Mary, you absolute walnut. It strikes the stag and the flesh, the the flesh made of, of plant and wood and roughage ignites and you feel its scream and stumble. Oh man, I wish I gave it bardic inspiration. And then it catches itself, eyes pivot, putting its full chest, its head looking directly at Query. And you see its gills open up again, and you hear slowly the approach of a swarm of insects. And then you see as wasps and cicadas and mosquitoes pour out of it and swarm to Query. Talbotin is now skittering backwards along the floor on, on, on his palms to get a little distance away from the stag, now realizing, oh wait, this may have been a very poor decision. Roll me a perception check. That was almost a nat one. That's a 13 plus three. All right. So that's a 16? Yes. Brad, you can hear off in the distance groaning and cracking. Like, like, not groaning like people groaning, but like some sort of structural sound. Uh, Tableton says to the stag, uh, uh, my friends, you are not going to bring this building down atop us, are you? It does not react to you at all. It is still staring directly at Query, who is swatting at these, at these hundreds and thousands of insects that are still streaming out of this how obscured is the room with fog? Uh, it is maybe 
at this point, maybe four feet up, but it is filling more as time goes on. Talbotin scrambles to his feet and sprints back down the hallway he just escaped through, just hoping they're caught up in the in the chaos of what's happening in the insects. Talbotin, uh, and, and as he's leaving, Talbotin says to the stag, don't forget who freed you, friend. Thank you, and, and, and bolts back down the hallway towards the Sending Stone. Fun. Uh, you run down the hallway. You, you see the acolyte laying on the ground uh, with their robes uh, singed and burned. Brush and Threep are standing with them, trying to tend to them, I, I suppose, and gather themselves. And you rush straight past them. What, what do you do? Which one was the one adjusting the bands on the stone before? That would have been the acolyte. Um, I... Stones are cracking in the ceiling, and you can see roots starting to burst out of the walls. I grab the the bands, and I, 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 I try and take them off, or I try and... Oh, I want to I want to make a call. You, I would like do to... Do you want to do a, our, our, our arcana check? Yeah, I'd like to place a call. All right, I'm going to set this... Uh... Oh, as I'm... As I'm running past the uh, Brush and Threep taking care of the Acolyte, can I give Bardic Insp- They can hear me, right? Yeah, they can hear you. Um, I, I say, um... They can hear you, you can't hear them. Unless you use my As I'm running by, I say, um... Everything has been a terrible mistake. Get, 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 get the Acolyte back to... Get, make sure that they're okay. Uh, and I give them Bardic Inspiration. It's, uh, it's not super stirring. Okay, fine, 666. Um... <laughs> um, all of this has been wrong. Make sure that they survive and meet me by the stone. Okay. Uh, and okay. I, I want to give inspiration to one of them that's tending to the acolyte. Well, I sprint in and then I'm making an I'll arc- say it'll be three since you had a bit of a rapport with them earlier. Yeah, I'm just throwing poop in the wind at this point. Yes. And I'm going to make an arcana check on this stone very yes. quickly. I'm going to say that I'm going to set it uh, at a 10 because the Acolyte was starting to prepare. At the end of the last episode, the Acolyte was starting to set it up. Uh, okay. Was starting to set up the call. <laughs> oh, God, your face. Oh, just tell me what you I rolled. I rolled a one, Ty. I rolled a nat one. I rolled a nat one when it counts. When it counted. At the time when I needed it. You you think that you have managed to dial in to the Sending Stone at Congress Monastery. You hear you hear um you hear feedback, you hear voices, and you think that may, that you have maybe done it as rocks are start to fall from the ceiling around you. Talbotin places both hands on the sending stone and says this is Hector Dutrice Talbotin, and this message must reach Father Pard in Congress Monastery at once. Flughaven has fallen and is about to fall again. The skeletons are not being raised by any malicious power. They are being awakened. They are like us. They are confused. We need to help them. They're from a time long past, and they know this land as Bregatone, and... And in a moment now, I too am going to belong to the past. I will not survive this. Flughaven has fallen, and it's falling again. This, this sending stone is underground. 
to the north of Flughaven Center in the soon-to-be-collapsed fortress if it can ever be recovered. Send help, or give up hope. Uh, this, this is Hector Dutrice Talbotton. And I also have a message for Morgan Cage of Cirque. Write this down. The final poem by H.D. Talbotton reads thus. We begin anew yet. Most imagine rebirth, majestic, beautiful. Learn to find beauty in strangeness, dampness, fungus, and you will live forever. There you go, Morgan. I told you I'd get it to you. Thanks for the extension, bud. And the walls come down around you. And I use my remaining inspiration point to respawn. <laughs> um, oh. Query is not going to survive. I don't know if this druidic focus is going to survive. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, progress was almost made. Well, um, let's let's do the outro, and then we can do a, like a post-show conversation about shit. Okay. Oh boy. Oh boy. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. I'm glad, and I don't mean this in like a sh in, in like a crappy way, but I'm glad that Talbotton didn't survive this arc. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I think that if you had wanted him to survive or to have a chance of surviving, you would have like tried to run up the ramp and out of the, out of the building. That wouldn't have been a guarantee. Yeah. Actually, let's let's let me roll that back because I, I feel like that would be a shitty thing to hear right after that just happened. No, it, um, you're right though. I don't know if you need to roll it back because because you're right. Okay. But I wasn't trying consciously to kill Talbotton. Yeah. I think Talbotton might have thought he had a little more time, and then realized halfway through, like, nope, I don't. This is this is happening. Yeah, because the sending stone was gonna get buried. <sighs> but I could have, I could have, I could have left, and then we could have told Pard later. You know, sometimes you have moments in life where you make a decision that is immeasurably stupid because you didn't have enough time to consider it, and things that felt important weren't actually as important as they seemed in that moment. And I think in this case, that was just the last decision Talbotton made was one of those. Ooh. That's... As as an author, to him, oh. were he to be able to see this in retrospect, he would have thought, oh yes, that is, that is how I wanted to go out, baby. Oh. No, way, no better way to end a performance than... By expiring <laughs> on, on stage. Uh, uh, you met your deadline. I met my deadline. Is that the title? Talbotton meets his deadline? Yes, I think so. 
Oh, gosh. All right. I think with that, um, let's go ahead and uh, pitter-patter on out of here. Yeah. And, and I ask again, like I did in the first episode, did it matter? All their patter? Did it matter, Ty? In the end? Thanks to the Joy Drops for the use of Not Drunk as our intro and outro music. Find them at thejoydrops.com. You can find us at sidecharacterquest.com, at SCQ Podcast on Twitter, or by email at sidecharacterquest at gmail.com. The Scavengers Network. Creator-driven. Community-focused. Treasured content. Treasured content.